Django Django is an art rock juggernaut. After meeting in art school and completing a debut home recorded album, the eccentric UK quartet released three inventive albums embracing rich harmonies, psychedelic finesse and dance grooves. Django Django continues to innovate with a Back to Basics approach release in 2021. You're tuned in to Roots to Grooves. Roots to Grooves, Signal Radio, Seattle, Washington, broadcasting live. Woo. No, I'm, we're not live. We're live. Uh, we are not live. Six months ago. Six <laughs> months ago, we were alive and we recorded this in person, in real time. And if you can hear clanking in the background, that's the studio radiator kicking into high gear. Keeping us nice and toasty. Because it's rainy. Well, it's, it's back it, to the episodes where we say, welcome back to rainy Seattle. Yeah, yeah, we're back to that weather. <laughs> And it's good to be back. Yeah. It allows us to be nice and cozy. Yeah. Um, and have a good conversation about musical artists. Yeah. Um, and that is what's cranking over there, that extra sound. Yeah, and it's messing up the, the compression on the microphone. Yeah, Sorry, getting guys. a lot of... Yeah, hopefully it's not too bad. It will, it will die down a bit. It's like it growls for a little bit, it does its thing, and then it calms down. Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. You guys, thank you for being here today. We're talking about Django. Django. Yeah. Cool. Art rock band, indie rock, rock in general. I would basically say they're just rock. It's drums, bass, guitar, vocals. Mm -hmm. But it is pretty progressive. Yeah. Little, you know, pretty much, uh, you know, Beach Boys vibes. Yeah, a little bit. Like 60s pop vibes a little bit. Uh Yeah, but done in a really modern way. Yeah. That Mm -hmm. it doesn't sound like that same stuff, but it sounds like it was derived from there, some of those ideas. Although I did have a, a, a an idea of, a, or not an idea, a thought when I was listening to their music. It sounds like an old 45 record that we, you would get from some random uh, charity shop or whatever and put on some of their tracks sound a little bit like a surf rocky 60s mm-hmm. pop that it could have come from that era or like some kind of garage band from that era or something yeah. like that. Like, that's a thought I had when I... No, it, it, that's it. 100% correct. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's completely subjective. You can yeah, yeah. experience music however you choose to, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. But I would uh, completely agree with that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They got three-part harmonies going. Yeah. Cool vocals. It's, uh, we got four members. Yeah. David McLean. Vince. From, oh, yeah. You, oh, no. And I'll say where they're from. You say their names, I'll uh, say where they're from. <laughs> okay. David McLean. Drummer and producer from Fife, Scotland. Vincent Neff. Singer and guitarist from Derry, Northern Ireland. Mm, Derry. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Dixon. Bass guitar from Yorkshire, north of England. Nice. Tommy Grace. Synthesizer operator, also from Scotland. Awesome. As yeah. far as I saw, David McLean is kind of the main producer. Yeah. Kind of band leader yeah. type situation. Yeah. Um, but they all, I believe they all write. Yeah. And they all help guide the music production. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they're all involved in in the songwriting and you know recording yeah. of their own instruments, and they're they're like a true band, you know, coming yeah. up with ideas, recording it themselves, mm-hmm. and doing really good stuff. They have four albums out. Yeah, I think I I I fell in love with their second album mm-hmm. mostly, okay. and then I went through their stuff, and basically it's all very good. Yeah, it's all. You know, I don't want to say beat driven, but some of it's driven, mm-hmm. like the song Spirals off their yeah. latest album that we opened the show on. Yeah. Um, that one's... That's the first track I've heard. There's I've heard, I thought I heard, until I heard Default, which we can talk about oh, later. Oh, then you've heard Default. Def- I've, I, when I listened to Default, I was like, I've heard this. Okay. Like on a commercial or somewhere or playing in a coffee somewhere. shop. Default's a great track. We'll we'll um, definitely play that one in a second. Yeah, but the yeah the track we just opened out with spirals that was like the first one I I spanned today. Yeah. And yeah, so they, we'll we'll get there. But that album's great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, twenty twenty one I believe. But yeah. you know, let's not get yeah, ahead yeah. of ourselves. These yeah. these guys, Django Django, four piece quartet from Scotland yeah. slash Northern Ireland slash England 
England, <laughs> sure. But they did all meet uh, whilst they were attending art school in Edinburgh mm-hmm. in Scotland. Yeah, so beyond yeah. that, I didn't get yeah. too much um, about their early life or their home life as far as music um, exposure I, goes. I found a little bit of info about two of the guys, David and Vincent, because um, um, they, they're sort of like the founding members, actually, of, of this stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. And uh, and so yeah, should we get into that a little bit? Like, uh, are you sweating in the? Oh no, <laughs> just, <laughs> oh, that heater killing me. No, I'm good. I'm already I'm bundled, so I'm you got your bomber jacket. I'm on. be sweating either way. Yeah, bombs away. Um, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. What were you gonna say? Well, I so I have a bunch of info actually. Oh, from, drop it. Um, so David McLean from Fife, Scotland. <laughs> He's the drummer and producer. Um, he grew up a lot in, in Fife and Dundee. He, his first instrument was the trumpet, playing in jazz band in high school. And, uh, and he said when he was 13, he got a pair of turntables and then he started DJing. So this is all before he started playing drums. Uh, trumpet first, turntables. He was doing a lot of hip hop beat juggling, mm-hmm. scratching. Um, he was spinning techno as well. He said, like, basically any kind of dance music. He was sort of like into DJing, sort of thing. Um, and then he did eventually get a drum kit. And the first thing he did was like a covers band in his teenage years. They were playing covers of for bands such as Stone Roses. Don't know if you've heard of Stone Roses. Mm-mm. They're kind of a big uh, pre Brit pop band, a little bit. They're kind of like. You know, before Oasis, that sort of era of things. Um, okay. And uh, and so the first thing when he had drums, he was like doing in this band and doing covers and stuff like that. But he got a four track tape recorder again. Ah, classic. Welcome to the four track club, David McLean. We, we can add you We're along gonna, with Tori Moir and a bunch of other artists. We're make we covered a, a wall with their portraits. The four on track it. club. That should be a chapter in our. Bruce DeGruy's coffee table book mm-hmm. that, that we should do. That'll come out in about five years. In about five years. <laughs> um, and what he was doing with that, he said he was just like uh, drumming loops and that he could like DJ, I guess, or do mm-hmm. something with kind of thing. That's kind of how he started um, just doing that. And he was like continuing to experiment with that. And when he went to art college um, in Edinburgh, he like took those old tapes and stuff and just continued to sort of tinker around with them whilst he was studying down there sort of thing. Um, meanwhile, Vincent Neff, singer, guitarist, he was, um, he grew up in, yeah, in Northern Ireland and he was, uh, so he's dyslexic and he, but he like started playing piano. He said he tried it, but he said he couldn't read the music, the sheet music and kind of lost patience with it. And, he said at a certain point his uh, mum got him guitar lessons, and so he did that for a little bit until he stopped the lessons and then just did his own went his own way. Basically, he like discovered that he was more interested in trying to like come up with his own things. Mm-hmm. Um, he also said like he tried to he said he didn't really have too much patience for learning cover songs or learning other people's songs, although he did really dive into the whole Beatles back catalogue and liked to kind of like figure out some of the more obscure chords and stuff that the Beatles were doing kind of thing. Um, but he basically just started writing his own songs in his bedroom kind of thing. Um, eventually got into some bands. He, he, he describes these, this era as like strange and weird, like, like his strange songs mm-hmm. and weird bands and stuff. Yeah, just figuring <laughs> stuff out, trying new things, exploring. Yeah. And uh, he's kind of like me. I had a serious, similar experience. Like he, well, he was in a band in school and then he did uh, um, like Battle of the Bands and stuff like that when he was, and then he, his bands like managed to play some shows in pubs when he was like 14 and 15. Mm-hmm. He said they basically let them in, let them play the show and then kick them out afterwards. And he said all the bands got paid in beer apart from them. So they didn't get paid. Like, so. Jeez. <laughs> But I used to play in like pubs in London here when I was like fourteen. You get paid in beer? Um, I no, but I did drink beer. Hmm. Fifteen years old, drummer naughty, on stage, naughty. and I had a little pint, sne- <laughs> sneaky pint next to me. Um, 
And that's a, that's a separate story about being like the, actually you don't get paid anything in England like as a band like it's kind of real shitty. I've pay, I've been paid the most in my musical life in America than I have in the UK. I think like the most we might have got paid each in a band for playing shows like six pounds each maybe something like that. The least I've got here is twenty bucks like for doing okay show. <laughs> okay well that's the side why is it like that over there are they doing pay to play it's it's uh kind of it's a, it's like um i think if i can recall this correct correctly my band plays some shows we had to have special flyers made up for each of the bands like we had like a different colored paper or something like that like and uh and basically after the first 20 people that buy a ticket that come in, we'd start getting a cut of the door or something. So, you know, as a rising band, we could barely get like 10 people or five people, let alone 20 people with our flyer <laughs> paying to come in. So, so we didn't have to pay to play, but we didn't get paid to play, so, <laughs> yeah. you know, either. So, but anyway. Well, good for you, man. Side Six note. pounds. Um, but unfortunately, I don't have any info on Jimmy Dixon or Tommy Grace's backgrounds, but... Um, no, that was great stuff that you brought yeah. to the table, though. But I do about David and Vincent because they, they, they kind of started like David started this project. They were the first two; they kind of got together. Yeah, and then it morphed into mm -hmm. them doing stuff together. Basically, David said that he could write beats, but he couldn't do songwriting. Um, David right. and Vincent was a great songwriter, but he couldn't do beats, so they teamed yeah. up and you know. And it just kind of yeah. fell together naturally. Yeah. They one had beats, one had song ideas and vibes and moods mm -hmm. that they can create and mesh those two together really well. Mm -hmm. um, and that's just kind of how it started. And they were already in the the same circles as the other two gentlemen in the band. Yeah. Because uh, when Dave was doing DJ sets, regular sets, um, he was already living with um, the keyboardist Tommy okay. Grace. Right. So they were yeah. already kind of tight. Yeah, and in the same circles. Yeah, um, yeah. That, he was doing clubs in Edinburgh and uh, Glasgow. Mm -hmm. House music. Yeah, Optimo. Have you heard of that? Is that a genre? Optimo? I, I think it's a genre. I didn't look into it. No, I don't know. But yeah. Um, yeah. But then he also um, like soaking up stuff like Bo Diddley mm. or um, what is it like rockabilly stuff? Mm. Okay. Yeah. So again, they're, you know, they're mes meshing electronic stuff with rock. Mm -hmm. stuff like kind of trip hop and yeah. and beach boys yeah you know yeah just trying to paint a picture for our listeners because it's really yeah. good energetic music yeah um it's really lush really textured yeah um really you know written out there's not a bunch of spots there's not just big solos or random stuff happening it's really kind of architecture mm -hmm. um or engineered i'm trying to say like engineered a certain way yeah to, to present to the listener yeah um, but yeah, they just, then they kind of got together an art school and they were like, Oh, let's do this. Yeah. You guys can add to this. Yeah. Um, like we said before, they all kind of add to the music and they all have the part within the band. Yeah. Um, it's not just one person writing the music and producing it and telling people what to play. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they had their self-titled debut album in 2012. Yeah. Self-titled. Yeah. And, and yeah so like it was kind of interesting how it came to be because they said that they they david and vincent started making that album together mm -hmm. and uh and then they put out like a couple of tracks kind of thing and they and and the way david said it, it was like halfway through the album i think uh jimmy joined and then tommy joined towards the end or it could have been the other way around tommy halfway through and then Jimmy towards the end right um but they like they put out like two or three tracks just released them and then they st said they started to get like gig offers and they said they hadn't played this live before because they were just trying to like you know record some ideas and stuff like that um and so they had to like they were like oh shit we have to like write like at least two or three more songs so we can do at least a 25 minute set yeah like, so you know because <laughs> they only had three songs and they're like Play, play these shows and stuff like that and so yeah these other guys got involved they became the four piece finished the album together um and uh it's a real like lo-fi 
album. They said they were like mm -hmm. recording on this old like PC. So they literally plugged the guitar into the back of the sound card on the computer and record, recording it in David's bedroom and, uh, and and did the whole thing like that, like ultra lo-fi kind of thing. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to get the timeline down. I'm not yeah. sure if this was right before this album came out or right after, but they started playing like shows, yeah. like small shows in like warehouses with other bands. Like yeah. the, the bill was wacky with different yeah. styles of um, artists. I think it was um, before they completed the album. Like I, the I think album. I think yeah, that yeah. yeah. So we could just say this leading up to it. Yeah. Um. They were living in Dalston, so they'd play like warehouse parties with, um, yeah, just funny, funny bands, cool kids. Um. A lot of warehouse shows. They said there would be like a tropical thing with like a big plant on mm -hmm. the stage and glass bottles for percussion. Mm -hmm. There'd be guys with uh, wacky haircuts, wonky keyboard lines, shouting. Mm -hmm. Um, like then, then Django Django would come in and they'd be like doing their electro thing with three part harmonies. Mm -hmm. And so they were like, you know, where are we? Like, what are we, what, what, what are we doing? Yeah. What's our, what's our space? Yeah. Um, and they were, they didn't think people knew what to make of them. Yeah. They felt kind of isolated, kind of, kind of weird. Yeah. Um, and they felt kind of naive. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, Vincent also said like their performing chops weren't really there when they first started. At least he said for himself that mm -hmm. he felt kind of rough around the edges. He wasn't because he's kind of like the front man, right? Yeah, and the he, kind of the leader. Yeah, and he said he wasn't really uh, like expecting that <laughs> when they first started. So he felt he needed to like they needed to play more so he mm -hmm. could be more comfortable with playing, performing, and also for all intents and purposes being the front man kind of thing. right like, yeah yeah so there's very much i mean they they came out with this record and they he started as like a bedroom producer basically yeah and thought like maybe if they come out with this album they'll they'll sell a couple hundred copies yeah and they'll be kind of like a cult band yeah. kind of an underground release this underground album and just kind of do it for fun do it for themselves yeah um just to just do things and have fun and explore yeah um, but this album was pretty good. This self-titled album came out and like they were Mercury Prize nominated mm -hmm. and they started going, doing big festivals almost right away. They were asked to play Fuji Rocks in Japan mm. um, and, and some yeah. other big shows. Yeah, it was like a, yeah, I think the one thing they said, it, it didn't all happen at once. It was like, so it was like, a few years between the first album and the second album right. so like the first album like they slowly produced it eventually completed it came out with it they were doing these shows they got some early reviews like from places like the guardian and stuff like that right they got nominated for the mercury music prize they were on a kind of a big label they called it a big indie it's called because music and i think that helped um kind of like you know push their music in the right places to get it heard kind of thing mm -hmm. and so it was like yeah this slow build where more and more people would hear about it industry and uh audiences mm -hmm. and yeah and they said they just kept getting offers from like and the and the offers got bigger and bigger like for yeah bigger venues and festivals and stuff like that mm -hmm. like and so yeah Vinny said he goes by Vinny by the way I'm not just calling I, him. I've seen that around <laughs> yeah 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 he said that it was just like a slow organic build. There wasn't like one moment. It was just like, you know. Just a, a takeoff. Yeah. And to the point where they said they found themselves like on the road for like two, three years. Like, <laughs> it's like as soon as they thought they'd stop, they'd like get another offer. Oh, do you want to come play this festival and stuff? And like, you know. Yeah. So, so a testament to what they created because yeah. it, yeah. it vibed with a lot of people. Yeah. Even if they didn't think it would. Because it is kind of weird. They are described as an art rock band. Yeah. But it's not terribly progressive or avant-garde that it's yeah challenging to listen to no that's what i really like about this band is it's pretty easy to listen to yeah and they kind of they show you what's happening and they're like it's right here yeah we got the beat here's the music happening here's the vocals here's the harmonies it's not yeah weird no some it's, of this stuff reminds me of black midi a little bit we did an episode on them uh, another UK group that mm -hmm. is kind of considered art rock a, w a little bit, but they're a little bit like or math rock. They're a little bit more in that realm. I think there's only yeah. like a few tracks of Django Django that remind me of Black Midi, but overall they're a different. 
Yeah, because Django Django can get, they have a, a, there is a few points where they get that kind of cacophony of sound and they just like yeah. get kind of heavy and wild. Yeah. But pretty minimal. Yeah. Um, as opposed to like Black Midi. They have, yeah. they have a, they're young and with a lot of energy. A lot of energy, yeah. And a lot of complex arrangements and stuff. Re, like yeah. That. Yeah. 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 Pretty, I mean, very energetic music yeah. to say the least. Yeah. Um, but I, I think these guys have a little bit, and I'm not, I don't even want to compare, but. No. But Django Django, they have good finesse and they're reserved to an extent. Yeah. So that they, they can pack a punch when they really want to. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I just think their their whole vibe is very good and their whole discography is very good. Yeah. Um, we should play Default off this self-titled album so we can all get a vibe. Yeah. Here we go. So I heard that track a while ago. I don't know even where from. I heard it somewhere. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it's out there. I've never heard yeah. it outside of the context of just Django Django and their album. Okay. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm sure that track's been used. I mean, it's a bop, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can hear there some electronic influence yeah. and acoustic influence. You know, they're yeah. using tambourines. Yeah. Um, vocal, like. The funny thing loops. is, they're not even sure where it was heard either. Because <laughs> yeah. I heard um, uh, Dave uh, McLean, the drummer, producer, he, he said yeah, that that track sort of blew up for them. And he said, yeah, I don't know, it was on an advert somewhere. Like he didn't even know. <laughs> <laughs> it, so, I think it took them by surprise and it took yeah. the, the, the industry by surprise yeah. of what they created and how it resonated with people. And I think it's like their intention behind the album as well because it, it came together kind of organically, although intentionally. I mean, they were intentionally making it. Mm-hmm. but it sounded very scrappy in how they like it was all basically recorded in his bedroom yeah um, and they didn't have a super solid goal of what they were striving to create yeah yeah at that at that point just like you know david's aesthetic as a or a approach as like a dj he's talked about this a lot about how he um thinks about this the flow of an album and the structure and editing of it like that sort of dj sensibility of doing things in that way sort of thing like you know he said he'd he said like vince would come in and record some guitar he wouldn't see him for two weeks and in the meantime like dave's like chopping it up and like Mm -hmm. you know so even in that song we hear that sort of that stuttery vocal and stuff like that i think that's a lot of the stuff that david likes to mess around with Mm -hmm. kind of thing like programming and chopping yeah i really like like, yeah i really like that kind of stuff yeah yeah. in in other artists music as well when you take a, a, a raw vocal and then, you know, produce something out of it. And even yeah. you know, using auto tune to change the notes or, you know, whatever you would call it. Yeah. And to make different rhythms out of these vocal chops. I did this actually a, while, a long time ago in the UK. There was this singer I was working with. Didn't know what we were going to write or how we were going to do anything. But she just got on the mic and started doing sort of like oohs and ahs and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I sort of took them and chopped them and like made like a rhythm melody out of it. And then eventually was able to like build a track out of it, which is kind of yeah cool. Like, I think it's dope. It's like yeah, it's interesting. It's a it's a definitely an approach worth messing around with like, mm-hmm. to see what you can come up with. Because I think in my head I had like an idea like sort of similar to that choppy vocal a little bit. It's just like or like Bjork, you know, like Bjork does a lot of kind of um, vocally sort of things that that her producers like mess around with and stuff like that like i don't know bjork too well to be honest yeah (laughs) 
maybe we should do some episodes on some big artists that are kind of big that but but you know we don't really know too much yeah. about maybe i don't know yeah no just because they're big doesn't yeah. mean i know anything about them exactly so. <laughs> and maybe your <laughs> listeners don't either so. yeah. yeah no it's a good point um but yeah i mean so good first act. like yeah like i just say considering the story behind how scrappy it was that they recorded it it sounds right. like legit and um that's what's amazing yeah. it's basically like a bedroom yeah. album scrapped together diy with whatever equipment they had yeah there was nope. like one other story behind that which i thought was kind of funny um apparently like they got to the end of recording it and like dave's girlfriend or now ex-girlfriend but girlfriend at the time was coming back home from somewhere she'd been away and they said they had to like clean up the whole bedroom like remove all the instruments kind of like they weren't even there so <laughs> <laughs> why what well, uh, I, I don't know. Maybe she didn't, wouldn't appreciate the mess or like microphone cables everywhere and drum pieces everywhere and stuff like that. But, I mean, I mean, uh, yeah, that's that is a good story though. That yeah, is interesting because yeah. it's kind of like it's just like the antithesis of like making oh you know we're gonna make this like Mercury award-winning yeah. or nominated but, album, but, but they're hiding their equipment and <laughs> yeah. not telling people about it. Yeah, yeah that is a kind it's of like, Shh, we didn't make the album. Okay, yeah, I don't know. And then to like, see it yeah. have real success, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's I mean that's amazing. Yeah. yeah, I mean you know anyone can do it. These that's these guys yeah. did it. Yeah, just made a made an awesome record in their bedroom basically. Yeah, yeah, and started playing Glastonbury. Yeah, like you, you said, yeah, Glastonbury yeah. or Berry. Glastonbury. I can say Glastonbury. Glastonbury. Yeah. Glastonbrah. Glastonbrah. Um, Fuji Rock, like I said, in Japan. So they're playing yeah. big things. They got they they were known for an energetic live performance. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, just memorable shows. Yeah. So interesting music. Yeah. Good live shows. Yeah. And they started to pop off. Yeah. Their yeah. second album. This is the one I was probably most familiar with before doing this research called Born Under Under Saturn. Right. Born Under Saturn yeah. 2015. Yeah. So yeah, like you said, they took a few years. Yeah. They were touring stuff. They were busy. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they, they do a lot of the art and, you know, promo work, mm-hmm. I believe, themselves. I don't have more specific info on that, but I think they said they, they at least help or have a hand in all, a lot of this. Yeah. Those peripheral aspects of well, the band. Well, they all had um, like a background in in because they all went to art school, mm-hmm. and I think Vinny was like uh, like working as an architect at some point, and um, one of the other guys, uh, uh, what was his name, Grace, what Tommy was, Grace, Tommy Grace uh, was doing freelance graphic design as well mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So they they all have that. And I think, like at a certain point before the music thing worked out, they they were thinking about careers or things in in design and art. Um, I think even like David and Vinnie ran an art gallery together whilst they were still mm-hmm. studying and stuff like that. So, so generally, yeah. these guys are just into art yeah. and yeah. into content creation yeah. in one way or another. Yeah, and that helped them propel to having these extra um skill sets yeah, yeah that that help their music get pushed out and in front of more audiences yeah, yeah. so i mean just invaluable yeah. skills and it's always going to help anybody to have a couple of these extra marketing skills or you know drawing graphic design skills yeah um and i think that's kind of one of the things that helped them propel to the next level yeah, yeah. definitely um and just see that level of success yeah so 2015 they had born under saturn and so due to that success they were allowed to uh, they had some money and stuff, and I think they signed to a record label who allowed them to have some funds, and they were able to do a new album in a uh, studio. Yeah, with all the accoutrement. Although it didn't work out. Did you hear about? That? Oh no! What? What's the story? <laughs> what do you mean? So apparently, this—it's funny that it's your. Would you say it's your favorite album of theirs? Or? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was most familiar with this one. So it's actually uh, David's least favorite album of theirs. Really? Because he says they they weren't really. It wasn't as focused. So basically the story that happened is they'd been on tour for like two, three years, kind of road-weary, they said. And uh, and then they had this budget to go into a big music studio, residential music studio, so they could live there and record there. It's one of the guys from Jamiroquai. Have you heard of Jamiroquai? Yeah, I've heard of it. Um, one of the band members from that, they built the studio. 
So it's like mm. this really cool place you can go, you can live there. It's got all the great gear and all that. Um, they said they basically spent the whole time hanging out, drinking, playing table tennis. They didn't write anything. They didn't record anything. And they, they got to the end of the time they were supposed to be there and they didn't have anything. They got a bill for $100,000 or pounds, whatever it is, 100K. And, uh, and then they were like, oh shit, we have to write an album now. So they didn't actually, they didn't actually use the fancy studio to make this album. Okay, <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah, I wasn't aware. I thought they did. Yeah. Um, yeah, as far as I, from what David said, that's like, oh, I don't, maybe he was like, hmm, maybe not telling the whole truth. I don't know. Right. But, but they didn't get anything done, you're saying, and then they, yeah. they had to go back home and create? Yeah, yeah. Because they owed the money still. Yeah, they the owed an album, yeah, and, and the money they already even spent. And basically they said though that they shouldn't have done, they shouldn't even have been gone into the studio, so they should have taken a break off the touring. They were just, because they were just burned out. Burned out from like being on the road and the whole time of you know being on the road not writing any music like just performing and having that experience of playing live and stuff mm -hmm. like that but not actually writing or recording anything for the whole like what was it four years or something like that kind of mm -hmm. thing yeah so so it was like they weren't ready they said to do it um but they eventually figured it out well then where did they did make it. the music um i think they might have made it at home or um or or maybe they the label paid a bit more money for them to go back into the, the studio and, okay. and do it but double or nothing yeah but um well yeah okay so i mean yeah. let us know if you guys have yeah what's the deciding factor about this story because what yeah. i was going to say is that they were allowed to use this <laughs> proper studio yeah and use the uh you know equipment there mm -hmm. and so in their music and their stuff their eccentricities were had a little bit of a sharper focus mm. and still i think this is right but it just depends on where we're talking about they made the music which i'm a little confused on now i didn't know that but yes i mean i yeah. mean just they, they, they had these new creative tools to help them yeah. further what yeah. they were working on before yeah. um, and even though this born under saturn didn't live up to the critical success mm -hmm. of the self-titled first album it did chart better. Mm -hmm. uh, um, yeah. So if that you know yeah. means anything to anybody, yeah, yeah. But I, I think the the work is very good. Yeah, the music is it. It feels a little bigger than the first album. Yeah, and yeah, just I don't know. It just sounds a little bit more focused to me. And so I think they were still they had the idea one way or another, whatever studio they were working in, whether it was a big studio or a home studio. Yeah, I think they still wanted to expand on their sound. Yeah. And and I yeah. think they succeeded in that mindset. Yeah, no, it's funny you say that because you say it sounds more focused, but David said it sounds the least focused. <laughs> yeah, no, that is, that is pretty yeah. weird. I mean, I guess it's like maybe just coming from their own perspective of like um, just headspace. Like they still did it; they still put out a great right. album. But like, but I think maybe they just felt like they weren't in, in the right headspace to really do it, but they still did it kind of thing. Like, I think that's, yeah, that's yeah. true too. Sometimes yeah. you don't feel like yeah. you're doing something, but you did it anyway. Yeah. Um, cause I know like Vinny also said that because they hadn't been writing songs, he, he felt that he had to kind of relearn how to write songs again, kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, just cause he's like, yeah, it was just like a muscle that he hadn't exercised for a while. For and sure. It was just like, yeah. So it's interesting, yeah. From what I heard them say, they it sound they made it sound like this whole torturous <laughs> okay. process to make this so we, album. We got a different story. It makes it more yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Let's let the audience decide. Let the audience decide. And let's play a track. Yeah. Um, I think it's the third track on that album. Okay. Uh, we have Found You. Yes. Okay. you by Django Django 
from their second album, Born Under Saturn, here on Rooster Grooves. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. So, I mean, I like that song. That's one of the first ones I came across from this band. Yeah. Even yeah. before Default from Self Titled. Right. Uh, but I think it has a dope sound. Yeah, it does. You know, yeah. it's like you, just the vocals, the harmonies, yeah. the beat. Um, it just creates a really cool space mm -hmm. for me in my, my sonic. Yeah perception absolutely and the the rest of the album explores these kinds of sounds too but it's no other song sounds like that song yeah um yeah. you know i'd i'd even dare to say we should play another song from it but i don't know if we Ooh. need to do that yeah um yeah i don't know this I, I think this is a solid album yeah they grew you can hear it it's bigger mm -hmm. it's badder yeah it's more crystal clear I think there's some like uh, surf rocky type things as well. Mm -hmm. Like the couple of tracks I picked out, which is what I got the sort of the old 45 vinyl reference from. I think there's mm -hmm. a track called Shake and Tremble, um, which we could play. It has, because <laughs> it, it's a different vibe than that last one we just played. I think mm -hmm. it's like a little bit more, yeah. If I'm th recalling this correctly yeah at least, if it's not this track it's one of them that's like um yeah garage surfy rocky 60s like cool stuff yeah i mean yeah, yeah. i don't know which yeah play it if you want let's, let's see let me just get a little taste test yeah yeah <laughs> taste test see what i mean though yeah it's great it's totally i feel like surfy could see it spinning on the a little old vintage turntable yeah. or something like that you know? yeah and that intro it. is a bit like it's kind of like they they kind of stutter a little bit and then mm -hmm. get it and then get into it eventually yeah no it is it does feel like it feels yeah. almost live yeah yeah um with that that kind of tremolo guitar yeah yeah yeah, yeah. like they're just yeah. yeah starting up the engine yeah um, but yeah, I mean, so that the first found you is a little bit more dark mm -hmm. kind of vibe. And then this song almost gets into like fun territory. Yeah. Like it's fun driving upbeat. Yeah. Um, and that's just on this, this, this one album board under the sun we're talking about. So it's yeah. somewhat eclectic. Yeah. Um, but it all vibes together. Yeah. So I think, yeah, I don't know. They're just, they're just good. They can, they create cool music that's varied. Mm -hmm. even within the same project yeah so i'm impressed okay. by this album yeah um yeah that's all i got on this album we can move on 2017 then they came out with marble skies this is probably the album i'm least like i was saying least um yeah. familiar with right but i think it's it's more good stuff yeah yeah uh me too yeah this is <laughs> this there aren't really any uh stories or anecdotes yeah it was also uh, produced by mclean yeah um this it featured a guest appearance by um metronomy mm -hmm. metronomy anna Pryor played drums on marble skies right uncredited okay and it's in she's in there and then in addition rebecca taylor from i think slow club okay or and or self-esteem mm -hmm. another band um, she was also on this record as well somewhere. On Surface to Air, I think. Yeah. And I'm not singing? Or is that drumming? Or is that what? I didn't find that one out. Um, she is... Rebecca Taylor. Doing lead vocals. Okay, so there's vocals on there. Yeah. So cool. Right on. We got that sorted out. Yeah. Well, that's a strange one. I mean, I th she's probably they're probably credited on like the physical um copies yeah like the liner notes or something but yeah. not as a feature not as a like a as a lead feature call out on she's them. not getting royalties well, i hope they are or maybe they're not it's just I don't a know. session musician fee or something like yeah that. i don't i don't know how it works yeah but anyway yeah marble skies 
Good stuff. Did you put any yeah. songs to play off of that one? Um, yeah, I have. Well, the title track, Marvel Skies, with Metronomy on drums. Well, not Metronomy. Okay, let's but, listen to it. But what's her name? Anna Pryor. Anna Pryor. Okay. We're struggling, folks. Thanks <laughs> for your patience. <laughs> Skies, the title track from Marble Skies by Django Django, featuring Anna Pryor on drums mm-hmm. from the band Metronomy, she said, which I have not heard of Metronomy before, so maybe we need to do an episode on them. I don't know what type of music they are. Yeah. But um, there's a lot going on in that track. It's, it's like 80s. It's like, reminds me of the TV show Stranger Things or something. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, well, they're definitely using, like, they're definitely going, yeah, the synths and kind of, yeah, it's just kind of, um, I don't know, arpeggiated synths or, I don't know what you call them, not tremolo, but like just kind of rigid synth stuff. And I think they're getting more into the synths a little bit. I think this one was a little, little... A little poppier, a little more synthy. Yeah. Um, and I don't know that much about that album, but I think it's just good. And it's a little bit more of a detour from what they were doing before. Yeah. As far as the the deep style. Yeah. It's just a little bit more lighthearted. And that kind of I leads to the 2021 album, which is definitely more poppy. Yeah. And definitely more hopeful and joyous. Mm-hmm. Um, are, are we ready to talk about that one? Yeah. Glowing in the Dark. Yeah, it came out 2021. Yeah. And yeah, this one, it offers like a new lightness to the band, I think. Yeah. It was a little different. Yeah. Um, I think they were, the the band members aren't, are no longer living in the same house or very close together anymore. Right. And so that offered a, that offered a new kind of style of writing. They were doing something like writing a song a day. Mm. Um, and they said that added a new lightness to the process. And I think that shows in the music itself. Yeah. Um, just in the, the elements of like arranging and recording the song in a little bit of a different way. Yeah. And it was a little more chill and a little more fun maybe. Yeah. Um, and I think it came across on the album very well. Yeah. Um, through this album, I, I think there's a theme of kind of escape mm-hmm. um, from like constraints or from despair or from like small town life, for example, or even like escaping from dreams mm. or from the earth. Mm-hmm. Like or at least moving towards something where you want to go. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I think it's pretty cool. Yeah. But yeah, again, it's just still the same. More electronics mixed with guitars and rich harmonies. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it all, although it only came out in 2021, they said they actually completed this before COVID. Um, mm. So, like 2019, like bef- like before lockdowns and stuff like that, they said it had been sitting around for a while, kind of thing. So and they they probably um, had to postpone the release or decided to postpone the release because of COVID and all that right. stuff. So, um, well, good for them for waiting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's a strange time in music, and the fact that we're doing these shows during COVID and talking about artists that are releasing new stuff now mm-hmm. and uh, or have been recording stuff during COVID. It's uh it's an interesting time. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, Elton John just came out with his lockdown sessions. Did he? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing like, you know, cuz no one can tour or no one could tour during 2020. So you're either mixing and mastering something you already did or you're writing new stuff and 
or just taking time out. I think these guys like able to like take some time out actually. I think that's what they do because they had the luxury of doing completing the album before like quarantine really happened. Um, and then sort of took that time to sort of just like decompress. I think like mm-hmm. um, David said, like like most of the people he knew that he was talking to, they were like, it's the first time that they've been able to like just do nothing, mm-hmm. <laughs> like stop from yeah. all the craziness in life. Yeah. Um, to just, uh, yeah, to, yeah, reflect. Allowing yourself to take a break yeah, yeah. instead of, you know, escaping from that. Yeah that feeling of always having to do something. I need, I need to be productive today. Yeah, yeah. I can't do nothing. Yeah. And uh, allowing yourself to feel that yeah. I can do nothing. Yeah. And that's yeah. something that everybody should know. Like we could just be humans and be alive. Yeah. We don't have to do anything or accomplish anything. No, no. You know, just be at peace. Yeah. I think it was, um, was it David that was talking about this or Jordan Mackay? I'm getting the two confused right now. Cause the last episode was Jordan Mackay. <laughs> But um, I think it was uh, David that said that, like, uh, about, like, um, yeah, technology and, like, not... Well, what, is, what was the last thing you said? Don't jog my memory <laughs> a second here. Uh, I was going to say something in, res, in retort to what you just said. Um, oh, how we can just be. We don't have to yeah. accomplish anything. Yeah. We can just chill and, yeah. and be at peace with ourselves and the world. Yeah. I mean, yeah, my train of thought was lost, but there's, there was something that David said in relation to uh, music. Um, and he's, he's specifically said he'd, he thinks the idea of individual songs and the Spotify keep tre- streaming culture is not going to last, is what he said. Because he, he said, like, if you think about, like, music and classic albums of the past kind of thing that's what people remember like they remember the classic albums right or the mm-hmm. bodies of work mm-hmm. you know i mean even in recent history you know you you think about like radiohead and you like think about okay computer or um kid a or what you know or any artist that you're into you remember a body of work right i guess if you're into music if you're just a casual listener then maybe not but i think that's the point he was trying to make is that you know how how are it, we live in an age now where all this music is coming out and he said it's like digital chaos in mm-hmm. the internet there's so much stuff what's going to be remembered in the future you know are we going to remember these individual songs that we're into now or are they going to get lost in the digital chaos you know he said it's like you know it's kind of like the romantic vision of like when you uh you know you'd meet someone in a record store and you bond over some particular record you're looking at or mm-hmm. how couples met in a book's shop or whatever and stuff like that it's like he said you know in the future we're not going to have people discovering these random I met, singles i met my wife on spotify exactly yeah yeah that's the jokes <laughs> they were making it's like oh we both added the same song to our spotify playlist yeah <laughs> i mean he has a point there it's like it's he he specifically said he doesn't think it's going to last. He said it's going to come to an end. He like defin- definitively believes that. I don't well, know. That's if, cool. It just begs the question: then how? How? How is it yeah, going to be implemented? Happens. Yeah, what happens? That's the thing. We're just yeah. going to be like Spotify, go away. Yeah, you're awesome, and everyone loves you, but go away. And I we're mean, just going to release vinyl now. I don't think he was really referring necessarily to like platforms like Spotify coming to an end. But I think he's talking more about the culture or like the listening habits behind the music sort of things. Like, yeah, what, like, you know, 10 years from now, are we going to remember these individual songs that came out on these platforms? Or, or, you know, what are we, what is, what is the legacy of the music being put out now? How is that going to be remembered? It's an interesting thing to think about because you think about all of the previous decades up till now, right? You know, we, if we look back to music, we look back to any artist like Michael Jackson or anyone, we think about specific songs, right? Or specific albums. Like, how is that going to be remembered, like, in the future? Well, like, I mean, yeah, one thing that, yeah. that David McLean, McLean said yeah. was that one thing to know that is that um, people have more power together than the the divisive power has against us 
mm-hmm. like I'm, I'm paraphrasing maybe that doesn't even make sense but basically people are strong together mm-hmm. and that's more powerful than any of the stuff that's trying to divide us up right as long as we can band together and be aware of that and utilize that yeah. as humans yeah and so it's like i mean i, I was about to lose my train of thought too <laughs> um people are strong together more than things that are trying to divide us up are are less powerful right people are more powerful staying strong together mm-hmm. and kind of what we're talking about the how everything's being divided up on in the internet mm-hmm. streaming singles mm-hmm. you know not bodies of work mm-hmm. it's kind of the same thing like something's very powerful when it's together like 10 songs an hour long a body of work yeah and we still see that as you know music lovers all around yeah that's a powerful thing well maybe that's the thing like if you think about with artists right it's like i think david did say this like i just said about the whole individual song culture how how will things be remembered but he also did say when he said that that um that's why he with django django are focusing on bodies of work like the albums and making those great sort of thing and i think all of the artists we talk about are doing that um yeah right they're all they're all doing albums like still and the greater scope of the music industry i think there is a lot of singles happening and things breaking down for marketing purposes eps and yeah for for, things yeah just for the sake of artists being able to get something done like and still remain in the internet sphere of yeah you know of being in front of an audience and being like um short attention spans you know you have to release well let's just release a single right now to get us to the next year or an ep right now before we instead of just having no content for years at a time and have everybody forget about us i think that's the thing right is because traditionally you could spend a year working on an album and then spend like two three years touring Mm -hmm. it and then be off the scene for another year whilst you're working on the next album and then repeat that cycle kind of thing i think i think that works for big artists and it works for legacy artists i think the issue is for new artists it's like how do you it's not really you're, if you're, you're rising up it's not really possible to do that schedule right of doing that yeah right? yeah because just coming onto the scene with an album and unless you have significant marketing behind it to get it in front of a lot of people yeah you're not going to be able to make the jump to playing big festivals and doing big yeah. tours around your country let alone the world yeah and then after even that you can't just come up with an album with no marketing and then just go three yeah. years without coming up with your next album yeah. and expect it to blow up yeah and for people to be following you following what yes thing nothing i think that's why they like focus on content and that's like the issue right is that as a r- new rising artist you have to be putting out content all the time and i think a lot of times people say that as in like your social media content and your online content not necessarily your music mm-hmm. but it should actually be your music but then that's the problem lies in that it's like okay if i'm going to release a song every week every two weeks or every month how does that count like because i think as an artist the content you should be creating is the music not tiktok videos right yeah yeah like, yeah you know, people are spending more on their TikTok so videos what's, than... where's the balance do i make three songs over the next six months and a hundred tiktoks or do i make a hundred songs and and release them yeah that's you know it's like yeah it's crazy I'm sorry. I'm just got. I got really sidetracked and all that. No, I mean that's that's the conversation that's happening. Yeah, in music right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah so that's yeah. and that's right. Our wheelhouse. Yeah. So we're just yeah. trying to further explore the conversation. Yeah. Let us know what you guys think because it's yeah. very interesting and it's happening right now and we're yeah. all in control of it. Yeah. And I think maybe a lot of people are looking for a new way of, yeah. of experiencing music. And I bring this up as well because yeah, David McLean, Dave McLean from Django Django kind of brought it up in that comment about mm-hmm. saying that you know the legacy of music how will music from now be remembered which is driving his inspiration in django django to make these albums these mm-hmm. bodies of work and and uh make them flow make them powerful powerful yeah, yeah together yeah. yeah yeah and again like also like mclean said can we call him dave are we in first 
We, we had a whole yeah. episode about him. Dave. Yeah. Dave. DM. DM. <laughs> um, people are strong together. Yeah. You know? Apes strong together. Yeah. And so, like, making bodies of people is powerful. Mm-hmm. Bodies of music is powerful. Yeah. Maybe we need to go back to that. Yeah. Um, this album's good. Yeah. Oh, I had one more note. Yeah. Um, Glowing in the Dark features oh um there's a guest spot charlotte one or two well um but charlotte's definitely on vocals on it yeah and then i think sid arthur and Mm. uh violinist raven bush which i don't know those names but yeah i know um you know they're working with cool people yeah it's basically the gist of what i'm saying it's cool that they're sort of collaborating with people it seems like on a musical sense not like a feature this song features this person sort of thing yeah. but they're like in the background in the studio uh working with these different drummers and right like violinists and stuff like that yeah so, like so they're opening like uh, creative doors creative doors yeah but yeah. not yeah pigeonholing their band or yeah or you know i mean feature is a big thing because you're like i'm featuring somebody else yeah i'll just say that i think like the guys from django django they don't seem uh, like pretentious is not the right word they don't seem like really the they're like we're a rock band and we're mm-hmm. touring and really releasing albums they don't really approach it that way they seem to be um just doing stuff and then surprised at the reaction like, yeah yeah still like, to this they're day. their own audience like yeah they're just exploring and that's how they make cool music yeah and then they're able to look back at it and be like well yeah and they're just cool. like down to earth and just doing their thing yeah. and uh and not like kicking up a fuss and and I haven't seen any of their music videos but I've heard they've like collaborated with some like sort of other artists mm-hmm. to create those visuals and stuff like that and, and so I, yeah I haven't explored their visual world because that's something yeah actually I should probably include into my research a little bit more going forward yeah. on Roots to Grooves is to see what some of these artists are doing visually and like who they're collaborating with on that end kind mm-hmm. of thing um because yeah. sometimes it's sometimes they're not involved in it and the label just does whatever and then other times i think like with django django they because they come from this art background that they, yeah they, they at least they care about what they is, care about it whoever and, makes it yeah, yeah they at least want to say and yeah. who's making it or, or what it's about and have, yeah. a, have a small hand in that at least yeah, yeah. um because yeah these guys are artists yeah and you know it's they're an art rock band yeah. and they, they care about the whole shebang from visuals to the audio to the production yeah. to who they're working with and and how they're sending out their message yeah um so all their stuff feels very fleshed out yeah and it's i mean they're an impressive band yeah they're, they've stuck together they've they continue to make good music it's interesting music they're doing cool stuff highly recommend be another good live band to see right that's, so live I haven't seen live. I didn't see. I didn't watch anything live. But yeah, I, okay. they yeah. they're known from what I was reading. They're known for having good, yeah. energetic live concerts. Yeah. And if you like the music, then it's certainly going to be great. Definitely. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's all I got on Django Django. Should we play out with the title track, "Glowing in the Dark"? Yeah. yeah. Glowing in the dark because I think that track is the title track, like you said, and it it's kind of the culmination of the the album kind of climaxes right there. Um, the whole it's like third of the way through at least yeah through the album track out of 13 yeah Yeah. so almost almost up there and and then it it kind of settles down and sets you back down after that climax nice Um, but it's a good track all the way around yeah um yeah we had a a bunch of disparaging ideas on this episode (laughs) i feel like so if you guys can point us in the right direction let us know we got an email roots to grooves at signal radio s-i-g-n-l radio.com Hit us up there. Hit us up on YouTube as a comment or whatever. Yeah, thank you guys. Yeah. We're here for you. We appreciate you. Thank you for the feedback. Yeah. We're out. We're out. Going in the dark. Django Django.
Roots to Grooves is a production of Signal Radio. For more music and independent culture, visit signalradio.com. That's S-I-G-N-L radio.com.